When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bears Brothers Audio Mailbag Podcast, the third edition of the year. And man, we are excited. We had over 18 submissions for this podcast, this edition. And Brandon, I mean, when we're getting that many submissions for this audio mailbag, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel real good. It makes you feel like we're going to be able to continue to do this for the rest of the year. So let's let's get more. Yeah, I mean, we were having questions come in while the noon games were still going on, just wanting to get our insight on certain things that were happening around the league, not just Bears related, but it's awesome that people are submitting their questions and they're coming from all over and you'll get to see that in this edition of the Audio Mailbag Podcast. But Brandon, I mean, we might as well just get started, right? Yeah, why not? All right, let's do it. Our first question comes from Travis, who I actually met at Denver in Denver when I went to the joint practices. So, Travis, here's your question. Hey, guys, this is uh, Travis from Denver, Colorado. I got a, a question. What do you guys think about have, uh, the Bears committing to the run on Sunday and uh, trying to get some play action pass going with Mitch and uh, possibly rolling the pocket as well to, to help him out? Let me know your thoughts. Huge fan. On the show. Thanks. Travis, that's a great question because I think the Bears can do a lot better job in the running game that they've done so far this season. Here, I'm just going to throw out some statistics for you. Just to show you how this running game can definitely improve just by what they've done so far. Right now, on first down, Jordan Howard has 29 attempts for 102 yards and one touchdown. Only a 3.5 average. He's averaging, you know, not a very good average. I mean, right now he's averaging 3.4 in the season with his 53 carries for 178 yards. So I think the Bears do improve that running game. That's going to help Mitch Trubisky in the play action game because, look, if you're constantly running on first down, which Jordan Howard and Matt Nagy have done a lot this season, 29 attempts, the second most on second down is 18 attempts. We, we were very critical of John Fox for constantly running the ball on first down. So this is why maybe – you know, the running game hasn't gotten going. And again, that's also affecting Mitch. But I think in this game against the Bucks, even though I think they're rated the number two best defense in stopping the run, that's a real skewed statistic because a lot of teams have to play catch up when they're playing the Bucks with this high powered offense. But I think the Bears can establish the run and then get Mitch Trubisky on these rollouts where he has shown he's capable of throwing on the run, throwing accurate. That's going to help improve this offense because we 
said that Mitch Trubisky, once he gets outside the pocket, is able to get, you know, use his athleticism, throw on the run. That's where he can maybe exploit some defense. We haven't seen too much of that yet in Matt Nagy's system, but I think if the Bears are able to establish the run, use that play action pass, just incorporate rolling out of the pocket more, that's definitely going to help this offense because we all know it has been struggling uh, through three games this season, but that would be definitely a good way to get this offense going. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this question? I think since Jordan Howard's been here, I wish I remembered the stat because Will brought it up last week in our preview. You know, Jordan Howard, you know, the Bears are eight and one or eight and two or something like that when Jordan Howard gets 20 or more carries. And now we can improve that to nine and one or nine and two. Definitely want to know on the year uh, when Jordan Howard gets more than 20 carries, uh, obviously beating Arizona last week. And I think that plays a, a big, it will play a bigger part going forward. Obviously, it hasn't yet as far as time of possession goes. Uh, Bears holding on to the ball, keeping their defense off the field, which is key. And I think establishing the run is a good way to do that, not just with the play-action pass uh, rolling out of the pocket, which we know is a strength of Trubisky's as being able to throw on the run. Uh, but I think that if they can really uh, focus more, I guess, on getting Jordan Howard uh, those 20 carries or so, I mean, it doesn't happen. I mean, that's not the, the setup formula to win every game, but they've got a pretty good record when they do that. I think that's going to go a long way in keeping the Bucks' offense off the field on this upcoming week. Uh, but also additionally, you know, for the rest of the year as well, if once this uh, running game gets a rhythm going, Jordan Howard's really tough to stop. He's had a thousand yards rushing those his first two years. And I think that he can continue that trend. Uh, but it's something that Matt Nagy is going to have to realize, especially with the, the press conference today, Nick, I don't know how much you paid attention to it. I didn't quite catch all the quotes. Just kind of reading. Up. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey. I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow. Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Up on, the, on it on Twitter, but it sounds like Trubisky and Nagy kind of had a uh, realization that they're kind of overwhelming the young quarterback uh, with the play calling in the in this one in the season so far. That's kind of why he hasn't exactly looked the best, but he's still doing really well, I think. Uh, but regardless, I think if they can get the ball to Jordan Howard more and simplify the offense just a little bit more, this offense is going to be able to do a lot more things. Trubis is going to be able to grow a little quicker, keep the keep play calling simpler throughout the game. And I think establishing the run is going to be uh, very important throughout the rest of the year uh, for that reason. I agree. And just to add on to that, Jordan Howard only has five attempts on third down rushing attempts. So you need to be able to keep Jordan Howard on the field. And he is a three down back. And obviously this, that doesn't account for the passes he's gotten on third down, but only three rushing attempts. I think you can do more with Jordan Howard. He just doesn't have to be a first down runner. Utilize Jordan Howard, your best playmaker, you know, first, second, third down. It's going to be a good thing for Jordan Howard, because as we all know, as the game continues on, Jordan Howard just gets better. But to continue with questions on the offense, we have our second question of the night coming from Jay. Jay, here's your question. Hey, Bears Bros, Jay here. Um, I actually have a quick question about the offense. And my question is, if Anthony Miller has to miss some extended time, who do you think is going to be the one to step up, um, Javon Wims or Kevin White? And uh, I also have another question. Who do you think has a touchdown first? in this season, um, Javon Williams or Kevin White. So, yeah, bear down. Jay, that's a good question. I was really uh, happy to see Anthony Miller try and go out there and continue to play despite his injury. I think that shows a lot of toughness that he brings and that he he's vocally said that he brings to the team. So that was kind of cool 
Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to hurt your team being out there at the same time if you're injured and not allowing someone else who's going to be able to make plays uh, along the line here while he's injured uh, to play. So I think that uh, him sitting out, even if it is an extended time, isn't going to necessarily hurt the Bears at the moment because I have total faith in Javon Wims or Kevin White, regardless who the guy is, as far as being that that role player, I guess, that Anthony Miller was, because he doesn't have a whole lot of targets uh, up to this year, so or up to this point in the year. Uh, he started to find a bigger role, uh, more of a security blanket for Trubisky here recently. Uh, but I think it will be Kevin White uh, that ends up playing first. I don't know necessarily that he steps up, uh, but I think he'll end up playing first because he was the one in the jersey, the one in the helmet uh, against Arizona on Sunday. Uh, Javon Williams is on the sideline in street clothes, so I think Kevin White's going to be the guy, and because he's going to get time first, I think he's the one that gets the first touchdown. Uh, I I don't know how much he's going to step up. If I had my choice, I'd rather it be Javon Wims at the moment just because we haven't seen a whole lot of Kevin White, but here's a chance for Kevin White to be able to step up and, and make his make his name heard. Nick, what do you, what do you think here? Yeah, Kevin White stepping up. That's something that we haven't heard of, you know, forever, really, in a Bears uniform. <laughs> so um, to answer your question, Jay, uh, that's a good one because I think Anthony Miller plays receiver a little bit differently than both of these guys, Javon Williams, Kevin White being those bigger-bodied guys. And right now, Anthony Miller's played, uh, you know, a lot of snaps from that slot position. And he has to run those precise routes. So just based off of that, um, I think I'm going to have to go with Javon Wims just because I think even right now, only being a rookie, I think he is already a better route runner than Kevin White because, as we all know, uh, coming out of college from West Virginia, that wasn't a strength of Kevin White, so he really had to learn that. But, again, like you said, Brandon, he was the one in street clothes, not active on the 53. So I think that with Anthony Miller maybe missing some extended time, both these guys have opportunities to maybe get on the field and you know show what they got. But another guy that you can't really leave out, even though a lot of fans want to. I know I've wanted to. Everybody has. Joshua Bellamy. Josh he's Bellamy. been out He's been out there. Um, he, has, he has a reception before Kevin White does this season. I think it's just one, but he he does have uh, some playing time. He knows this offense. So I think that might be a guy more suitable to the position, maybe playing in that inside slot to where Anthony Miller was primarily playing up to this point in the season. So that might be another guy. But if I had to put my bet on who would get the first touchdown, I'm going to go with Kevin White just because he is out there. You don't know if the Bears are going to actually put Javon Wims on the 53. I would assume so just in case, you know, Anthony Miller does, you know, had to miss that time. You would want another receiver just in case. But I'm going to put my money on Kevin White making that touchdown. But I don't think he's the best guy for the position. So we really hope that Anthony Miller can get healthy and that shoulder injury doesn't linger on because, we we expect a lot from him being a second round pick and you know just seeing what he's done in Bourbonnais and you know thus far this season small sample size but he's got some potential for sure. So our third question comes from a fan all the way from London. I think that's awesome, Brandon, that we are even getting questions from people not just in Chicago or in the United States, all around the world, and it has to deal with Mitch Trubisky. Here's your question. Hi there, Bear Brothers. Uh, really big fan of the show, calling all the way from London. Um, just a quick question on Trubisky, really. Um, I was looking to kind of get your feelings on, you know, whilst Trubisky is kind of, you know, slow to progress in this offense, you know, how long, along, how far along the line do you leave it before giving Daniel a shot? Um, you know, we, we saw Daniel know the offense very well in preseason. And you'd think at some point with how well the defense is playing, 
that um, you'd at least see what he has to offer. So I just wanted to get your opinions on that. Keep up the good work. Thanks. To our fan all the way from London, to be completely honest, Chase Daniel is not going to see the field anytime soon. The only way I can see Chase Daniel making it on to the regular season at any point this season is if Mitch Trubisky were to get injured. They look, Mitch is slowly progressing slowly, more slowly than we would have liked to have seen thus far through three games this season. But look, the bears are committed to him. Matt Nagy came to the Chicago bears because of him. Ryan Pace drafted him number two overall because he believes in this guy. He's had three games in a new system. It's not going to be perfect. It's just not, but you would like to see him be able to make those accurate throws, you know, be better in his reads, but he's still learning and he's had to learn an offense from North Carolina to Dow Loggins offense. to now this offense in a span of maybe just a little over a year now. So there's a lot on his plate and I know he's capable of handling it. You know, we've heard the press conferences today. Maybe they might, you know, tone some things down a little bit, but Mitch Trubisky will eventually get it. This is a great opportunity to against a Bucks defense that has just given up a ton of yards through the air and on the ground. I mean, even though they're number two in the league, they're not really number two in the league because of how they've been playing offense and making teams want to pass the ball. But this is a great opportunity for Mitch, and I just don't see Chase Daniel, um, you know, getting on this field despite how well the defense is playing. Yes, the defense is playing at a championship caliber level, but that doesn't mean you, you replace your quarterback. I think that would just cause a lot of weird, uh, I guess, chemistry in the locker room, just put, sitting down your QB. It, it just wouldn't make sense. What do you think about this, Brandon? To my friend across the pond, I just want to let you know that since he uh, Chase Daniel has been in a system related to what Matt Nagy's got here in 2013 when he joined the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's played in 11 games, and the last four or five, we'll say, have come in garbage time. Uh, that's how much he's seen the field in the last five years outside of preseason. Nick, you threw it out there uh, earlier in the preseason. They think he's thrown for 24 or 25 total touchdowns now in the preseason, so he looks really good there against the lower-skilled guys. But in the regular season, I mean, I don't know if, you know, the playbook moves too fast for him, or if he's just been getting beaten out in these last 11, 12 games, he's played in the regular season, what exactly the, the issue is, but he's just, he's not going to see time in this, this system unless he absolutely has to get thrown in there. And Nick, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, the, the chemistry thing. I'm actually reading uh, Drew Brees' book right now, uh, come back stronger, breakthrough stronger, something along those lines. It's a really good book, but he talks about how, when he was in San Diego, uh, there was a, a tear in the locker room at one point in the season after they went one and six in 2003. Uh, Coach Schottheimer put in Doug Flutie in instead of Drew Brees, and half the guys went in Flutie and half the guys went in Brees to play in. That really just led the whole season to crash. Uh, so if history repeats itself and they put in Chase Daniel over Mitch Trubisky here, then that tells me that that's not going to go very well. Uh, so I recommend the book if I could remember the title off the top of my head, but it's a, it's a Drew Brees book. Really good, and it, there's a lot of good football examples in this book. So it's uh, one example I could pull out of it here was, you know, a locker room that's going to be split would end up in turmoil and the, the great potential that the bears have this year to be able to do something good uh, would really go down the drain fast if they put in chase Daniels as their starter. So it's just really not a good idea. And another thing that it does, it just prolongs the process. This is your guy. Mitch Trubisky is the future of the Chicago bears. You put him on the bench. What are you saying to him now? Okay. Now he has to right. wait even longer 
to get to where you want him to be. That's not ultimately what it's about. Look, Matt Nagy obviously is going to be here for what? I think he signed a three, four-year contract. He's going to be here. Ryan Pace extended. Khalil Mack's here for another six years. All these guys are here for an extended period of time. I know I've said when they when they sign Khalil Mack, it's win now. But when you actually look at it, it's you don't necessarily have to win now because a lot of these core pieces are here for a long time. You look at Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Even Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, these guys that sign these big contracts. Yes, we want to see Trubisky definitely progress, but you know, sitting him in in favor of Chase Daniel is not gonna you know help this team in the long run. Maybe it just won't. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Chase Daniel, yes, he knows the system because he was with Matt Nagy in Kansas City last year, but that's about all the perks. You already said how many games he's actually played. He's a backup for a reason, and we'll leave it at that. So we'll go on to the defensive side of the ball now with our fourth question of the day, and it comes from Luke. Luke, here's your question. Hey, guys, it's Luke Carlson from Albuquerque, New Mexico, the home of Brian Erlacher. Uh, today's game, to me, it looked like Danny Trevathan got beat on both of those first half touchdowns. What do you guys think? And also, it's wonderful to be very fan right now. Not only are we over 500 for the first time in a long time, but we can also say we're in first place for the first time in who knows how long. I love it, my Bear Brothers. Bear down. Go Chicago Bears. Luke, to answer your question, I do think it was Danny Trevathan's fault uh, for both those touchdowns against the Cardinals. I actually wasn't home in time to see the first one to Ricky Seals uh, Jones. I was actually on the road back from Iowa, but I watched it on the All-22, and it was weird. On that play, Danny Trevathan was the only linebacker on the defense. They went with another down lineman, but you see that Ricky Seals Jones, he actually motions from the right to the left, and you have Aaron Lynch on that side as well. And it looks like they're, they're playing some kind of zone. Aaron Lynch goes out to the flat and Ricky Seals just, you know, runs, I think, a corner route off to the left sideline. And Dane Trevathan does drop back after he, the, the play action happens. So he gets sucked in and then realizes it's far too late. And something similar happens to uh, and not even something similar. It's just he's lined up directly in front of David Johnson on the second touchdown lined up directly in front, and I just don't think he expected Johnson to run that corner route because he just runs right by him, right behind him. So it was Danny Trevathan's fault, I think, for both of those touchdowns. And I could be wrong. Obviously, I don't know Vic Fangio's playbook, and if I did, that would be a pretty big problem. I do not <laughs> I do not have his iPad, uh, Roquan Smith, that whole incident. That's way behind us. But, um, you know, after those two plays, obviously – the Arizona Cardinals offense was completely shut down. So those those are some mental lapses by Dan Trevathan, who usually doesn't have those, and he definitely can't have those against the Buccaneers with you know the, the tight ends they have there and the offensive weapons there. But I do think it was uh, Dan Trevathan's fault. What do you think, Brandon? Well, first of all, I'm not sure if you just implied that you took Roquan Smith as iPad or not. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think you're right. I think they were just mental lapses. Uh, that first one, I think he, f I think he thought. Uh, it sounds kind of funny, but um, that Eddie Jackson was behind him, thought he'd have a little more coverage on that side of the field, but everybody got sucked into the play action on that one. 
Uh, obviously, Danny Trevathan did. Eddie Jackson did as well. That's why there's nobody on that side of the field, and Ricky Seals Jr. can just walk right into the end zone. Uh, so really just a mental lapse uh, for Trevathan there because I think he can see the tight end through that whole way until he breaks off at the corner route, and I think he's anticipating him being behind him. Obviously, well, he is behind him. He's behind him in the end zone. Uh, <laughs> and then the David Johnson one, you could say that it was just a, they were playing some sort of zone, uh, and the ball was just put right in the soft spot between three guys. Uh, but again, that, that comes down to Danny Trevathan because when you look at the play beforehand, Trevathan is lined up directly in front of David Johnson. I mean, he's staring him right in the face, uh, looking at him, probably had a moment. They looked at each other's eyes. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he watches David Johnson run this whole route, and he still ends up behind him. Uh, so I don't know, again, if there was a communication thing or if the Cardinals offense just was able to scheme this play open with the safeties being in other positions out there on the field. Uh, but again, Danny Trevathan, he, he had a slow start to that game. I think you can credit both those Arizona touchdowns uh, to Danny Trevathan. And then after that, once he clicked, I mean, the rest of the defense was just lights out. Uh, so if that's what it takes, that's why uh, I said if uh, in the preview show before week one against Green Bay, if there's a guy that goes out, you know, who's going who's gonna to be the guy that hurts the most? Uh, and if we lose Danny Trevathan, he's out there, but he had those mental lapses. And for that reason, I mean, I think that shows that he's a very valuable piece to this offense or to this defense. I mean, because he's he's the guy that has to know exactly what everything's going on. And when he gets picked on there and he's not really paying attention, I mean, that's what happens. So he's got to be on his game at all at all times. Yeah. So I think Danny Trevathan obviously improved in that game. And I think he'll yes. improve you know, moving forward. But yeah, like we like I said before, this is not a game where you want to have those mental lapses because Ryan Fitzpatrick will exploit those and, you know, put points up on the board. All right. Now we're going to move on to what I think believe is our fifth question of the night. And it comes from a Bears fan from New York. Here's your question. Hi, this is a Bears fan here from New York City. I'm just wondering, what is our confidence level um, for Kevin Tolliver um, on Michael Evans or Deshaun Jackson this Sunday? And what are we going to do if, if Prince Benzino Camara cannot play this Sunday? Well, I mean, that's a that's a really good question uh, because Kevin Tolliver is the reason uh, that Christian Kirk had as many receptions as he did, I think. I don't want to put all of them on him because Tolliver wasn't in for the whole game, but for a good majority of them, especially the, the longest reception that Christian Kirk had, be, uh, Kevin Tolliver on the double move was able to get a 32-yard reception out of it. And that, that kind of worries me because he wasn't one that, you know, after he went down with that injury in training camp, he didn't quite look like the same guy that we've seen before that. Uh, he almost looks a little timid, a little more uh, reserved out there, I guess. So he he bit on that double move, and then Christian Kirk's able to get wide open on that one and get the 32-yard reception. Do I worry about him being on Mike Evans and uh, Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm not sure that he's got the speed to keep up with Deshaun Jackson. He definitely doesn't have quite the size or experience to be able to match up with a Mike Evans, so I worry about that a little bit. Uh, but I think they may counter that by putting in more dime packages, I guess, uh, to try and help him on that side. Uh, which would be like a, a Sherrick McManus out there on him with his side, which, frankly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm not as intimidated to see Sherrick McManus out there in coverage after he had that interception last week. Uh, again, just making plays, I think, is something that's really contagious, and he wanted to get in on defense despite the limited amount of snaps. Uh, so if Prince doesn't play this Sunday, I am going to be, little, I'll say, more than a little worried. I'm going to be... Uh, quite nervous going into this one because I'm not sure that Kevin Tolliver has the experience. Well, I know he doesn't have the experience to match up with a Mike Evans and he doesn't have the speed to match up with a Deshaun Jackson. So they're going to have to help him in some regard there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Brandon. And to, I'll ask, answer the second part of the question first. What are we going to do if Prince Mukamara can't play? 
well, you're going to put in Kevin Tolliver. I mean, that's as simple as that. <laughs> he's going to be, he's the next guy in line. He stepped up in that Arizona game. But yeah, you see Christian Kirk running these double moves and Tolliver's biting and giving up, what, a 32 yard reception or whatever it was. Imagine a Mike Evans and Mike Evans in that Monday night game ran a nasty double move on the corner, the Pittsburgh corner, and was able to get a, a, a nice touchdown. So you just have upgraded receivers on, you know, this Arizona squad and, you know, a better quarterback as well. So, yes, that is not the matchup I'm really looking forward to. And it's going to be weird for me to say this, but it hurts to actually have Marcus Cooper out as well. He's dealing with his own injury. So now you do have Sheriff McManus, who had a great game against Arizona, but you just want to have depth just in case one of those guys gets injured. Because let's say Kevin Tolliver goes out, you most likely have to put in a Bryce Callahan out on the outside and then put a Sherrick McManus roaming that, that nickel spot. So it does hurt to have two, you know, two of your corner, two of your DBs out and possibly, yeah, we don't know if they're officially out, but yeah, I'm not too confident right now just because those receivers, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, they can play and they've been playing at a high level all season. So putting a Tolliver out there to, you know, maybe have to guard one-on-one, not the most confident there. Um, Brandon, it looked like you were about to say something. Yeah. Um, we got, we got my man DHC back this week. Uh, I seen he practiced today and I'm not saying that he's going to be out there. Uh, but you know, I don't even know how often you see a three safety look in the league. I don't even think mm-hmm. you do, but that'd be, I guess, one option to explore, I guess, just if they're not confident enough in McManus or whoever else is out there at the bottom of the roster for the DBs. I mean, I, I think that DHC it, I don't know how well he can play corner, I guess, since he's been converted to safety since playing at William and Mary. So just kind of something that was, was on my mind with Marcus Cooper out as well as uh, Prince potentially. So I, I don't know, some, something to think about, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be one of those last options. Let's say another right. DB gets injured in the game. Well, you know, if you have to go that dime package and maybe they just, maybe they just don't and just add another defense alignment and say, Hey, go get the quarterback because we don't have enough DBs right now in the field. <laughs> So that might be, uh, you know, a last resort, but we'll see. I'm pretty sure Vic Fangio has a scheme in place. He knows where the weak link is on his defense, and that's going to be, you know, the rookie. And like you said, Brandon, ever since he got injured in training camp, he just didn't look the same. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really expect him to make, you know, this 53-man roster just because he didn't make plays. And I thought there were other guys that were deserving of it, but he's going to step up. He's going to learn real quick, and he's going to learn against some pretty good receivers and offense that is, putting up some major points right now. Oh, he's going to learn real he quick. Is, he's going <laughs> to learn today. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Brandon, we're going to go to our last question of the night, and it comes from Kerry. Here's your question. Hey, Bears brothers. This is Kerry calling. I just had a quick question. Do you think the NFL is trying to legislate the sack out of, out of, out of the game? I mean, I just saw Alex Smith get sacked by Clay Matthews, and they called a 15-hour penalty ridiculous it was a picture perfect sack i'm a longtime bear fan and i want to beat the pack just as much as everybody but oh that that call is pretty bogus just want your guys opinion thanks bye carrie that's that's an interesting question now to answer it do i think the nfl is trying to legislate the sack out of the game i wouldn't say that i mean it's weird. You can't take the sack out of, out of football. That would just be strange. Like you can't hit the quarterback ring to the ground and, you know, give your defense an opportunity to get off the field or whatever, cause a huge momentum shift. I don't think that's what they're trying to do, but it really is impacting the game you see. And you brought this up because the clay Matthews hit and obviously playing for green Bay, you want to root against them, but 
some of those hits, you're just like, man, that's not a sack, and it looks routine. The one on Trubisky, absolutely. Led with his helmet, yes. and, you know, that that was uh, not a good hit there. That was definitely flag, you know, throw the flag, give him that personal foul. The other two, you're almost asking, what, what does this guy have to do? And you see defensive linemen in the league, the one in Miami, the game that we're going to go to, he actually tore his ACL trying to avoid putting the body weight on the quarterback. So these players are getting injured, you know, in favor of trying to keep other players healthy. So it just shows you, obviously the quarterback is the most important player on the team. And that's always going to be true, but it's really just a weird, weird thing to do. And also the bears have not been flagged for a personal foul. Uh, for hitting the quarterback yet this season. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, but there's a lot of momentum shift that can happen. Just look at the Bear or the Packers and Vikings game that Clay Matthews hit that allowed Kirk Cousins to go get the game win or the game tying touchdown with the two point conversion because of a late uh, you know a personal foul hit. Now I'm look, the Bears have been really good about hitting the quarterback, getting to the quarterback, but at some point it's going to happen to the Bears. And as Bears fans, I know they're gonna lose it. Uh, you see this what seems like a routine sack. And maybe it ultimately changes the game. Bears lose because of this rule that is, yes, I think the refs are calling it right, but I think it's just a bad rule in general. You need to switch it, and I doubt they will. So I don't think they're trying to legislate the sack. It's just really affecting the game. And once it comes back to bite the Bears, it's not going to be a great feeling because almost it seems like every other team has faced this foul other than the Bears, who have the 14, 14 sacks in the league, the most in the NFL. But Brandon, what are your overall thoughts on this rule? And just are I mean, do you think they're trying to legislate the sack, or what are your overall thoughts there? First of all, I can remember a few weeks back when we all thought the helmet rule was going to be the one that, that ends the NFL. But I think this one's actually a lot worse than the helmet rule mm-hmm. uh, because that the sack that he had on Alex Smith, I mean, that was clean. Yeah. He even when he sacked, I mean, he rolled over and he put his arms up in the air to show that hey, I didn't put pressure on him. Like, there's literally nothing else I could do because, like he said in his press conference afterwards when they're interviewing him in the locker room. He goes, you know, he, he gave his body up, and when you tackle a guy from the front, you just land on him. That's just physics. Uh, so, I mean, I understand what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to protect their investment because, you know, when you go and turn on a game, you don't go, oh, I'm going to watch the the Packers offensive line against, you know, the, the blitz packages of the Redskins, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you're there to watch Alex Smith and the guy that I'm not going to mention uh, because he plays quarterback for that other team up north. <laughs> um, but, I mean – I understand what they're doing, but it's getting out of control here. I think because you gotta let the gotta let them play football. I mean, when you're like you said, the guy uh, Miami got hurt uh, tearing his ACL because he didn't want to land on the quarterback because he'd get flagged for 15 yards. And then there was a, an instance in the Monday night game, uh, the Dan Patrick Show played this one, and I was listening to it. And they Gerald McCoy goes in for a hit on Ben Roethlisberger, and the first thing he says is, "My bad, Ben. My bad, Ben," because he doesn't. I don't know that he cares if he hit. Ben Roethlisberger, but he wants the ref to know, like, you know, I didn't do that one on purpose. Like, I there's nothing else that he could do. Uh, so when you get to that kind of point in the game, it's like you could almost go back six, seven years ago when Jason Pierre-Paul went to the sack. I forget what who the quarterback was, but he just kind of touched him, and then that was it. You know, that could be considered a sack now, I guess, if we're trying to make a some sort of rule change out of it. Uh, but I think they need to be able to, to be more physical. I mean, yeah, it's not ideal uh, when quarterbacks get pile-driven, uh, into the turf. Uh, we've seen that hurt guys like Aaron Rodgers before, uh, which, which hurts the league. I'll admit as much as I didn't want to say his name and just said it. And, <laughs> but uh, I think that something's got to change. You got to let them play. I don't know that they're trying to legislate the sack out of the game. They're trying to protect their investments uh, with the quarterbacks. 
and it's just unfortunate. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. The way that they're doing it, because I did not anticipate this one being the rule that we end up talking about this year. Yeah, no, the big thing was like, you know, the helmet rule. We're going to see a lot of this is going to be, you know, flagged a lot. And it really hasn't. That really hasn't affected games. It's this rule. And I think it's like close to 30 times through the first three weeks, which is you know, just crazy. I think it was all last season was like 16 or something like that, a really low number. And you already have like 30 roughing the passer penalties and, you know, they're just going to keep piling up. So they're just going to keep piling up from now on, but it is an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add to something else that's on my mind, the thing is too, like if what happens if you tackle a running back like that, is that not the same type of penalty? It's the same kind of play. You put all his weight on him. You know, I mean, you can't just I don't think you can rule quarterbacks out specifically as well. If you put all your weight on and then that's a foul. And if you do the same thing with a wide receiver running back, that's not the same thing. Like, no, that is the same thing if you're trying to protect people. Make it a, a general rule across the board or don't at all. I mean, I understand roughing the passer, hitting a guy late. Uh, but at the same time, if you put all his weight on, I mean, there's nothing that you can really do about that when you're playing at full speed. No, you're expecting like these 300 plus linemen to just come to a stop and maybe just like a tab or something. No, it's it's just not possible. These guys are right. going so fast. They're so big. Stop on a dime, risk tearing your ACL, and then, you know, the quarterback gets off a pass because you were timid and trying not to sack him and get that 15-yard penalty. That's going to hurt your team. And, you know, that that's unfortunate that this rule is, you know, catered to the quarterbacks. Obviously, yes, we want to keep them safe because no one wants to go see the number two guy versus the number you know, two guy in a playoff game. That's not what you want to see. You want to see the starters out there, but this rule is just really affecting the game and how, um, you know, and we, we've heard it all along, like from the Monday Night Football podcast as well, just with Jason Winning and those guys talking, like coaches don't know how to coach it either. Like how do we, right. how do we actually hit the quarterbacks? They don't know how to coach it. So it's affecting the game. I didn't think this would be the rule to do it, but – it definitely has, and it, it'll be interesting to see because, like like I said, the Bears haven't had one of these penalties. So when it does happen, how are they going to rebound because the Bears get off get after the quarterback a lot, and they're going to do that all season. I just hope it doesn't – I hope it doesn't, like, have a game, you know, come to that. Because of this penalty, the Bears end up losing. Huge things happen. They don't make a – who knows, maybe a playoff run. Who, does, who knows? But I just don't want to see that happen. The defense gets flagged for that, and – a whole momentum changes. That would be awful. Very awful. Brandon, uh, that was all of our questions. And like I said, we had over 18 submissions for this audio mailbag podcast. And I just want to thank everybody. And please, please keep on submitting them because Brandon, I mean, we have a great time doing this, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just, uh, just getting to see the perspectives, the things that you guys are thinking about. It's amazing. It really is. So if you want to have your question aired on our next audio mailbag podcast, all you have to do is leave us a voicemail at 872-240-4007. And that number again is 872-240-4007. So just leave us a, a voicemail, whatever you have on your mind. Brandon and I will love to answer it. 
But you can check us out in tomorrow's preview podcast of the Bucks around 637, around that time. So make sure you tune in for that because it'll be a good one. This is going to be a good matchup between the Bears and Bucks. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.